Assalamu alaikum sisters and welcome to Real Muslima Talk. I'm your host Um Abdurrahman and on this podcast we'll pull back the curtains, take down the barriers and have raw, insightful and honest conversations on living as a Muslima in our modern society. We'll discuss everything from spirituality to mental health, from marriage to growth and much much more. So sit back, relax, grab yourself a coffee and let's have a heart to heart here on Real Muslima Talk. If you enjoy the podcast, head over to our Instagram page at Real Muslima Talk and join the conversation. On this episode, I'll be joined by my good friend Zainab Ilahi, a born and raised American, currently studying at the Islamic University of Malaysia. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. How are you doing Zainab? Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah, I'm fine. How about you? Alhamdulillah, I'm good. I'm really, really excited, inshallah, to discuss today's topic uh, because earlier on this month, it was World Hijab Day, I think 1st mm. of February. Yeah. And so I, you know, came across a lot of uh, Muslim stories on the hijab and how they started wearing it and their inspiration, etc. So I thought this is a good opportunity for us since we both wear the niqab to discuss our journey to wearing the niqab and um, yeah so first and foremost I want to ask you what led you to wearing the niqab and why the niqab? Okay so um, growing up as a child um, like the environment that I was always in alhamdulillah we had like uh, mosques on the streets right next to us and actually um, initially I was born in Dallas Texas and then we moved to New York because of the good environment there in Buffalo and subhanAllah we had we have madrasas there we had markas we had the masjid we had a lot of Muslims like thousands of Muslim families that moved from all over the United States because of the Islamic schools there so we had people walking on the streets covered up uh, looking like Muslims and it was an amazing Islamic environment so that's what alhamdulillah yeah Interesting. So uh, what was the population mainly? What were they made of? Like um, probably immigrants, right? But from which countries? So we had like a diverse, we had um, Pakistanis, Indians, um, Bangladeshis. We had people from Somalia, from Burma, from Yemen, and like a whole diverse um, population from like all over the place. So it was, yeah, interestingly, alhamdulillah, we all got together together. Initially, the founders of the madrasas there, they were Maimans. Um, they were basically from Pakistan, Maimanis. And uh, they came from Medina Munawara and they bought churches and they, con- they converted the churches into mosques. And then thousands of families came and settled there for, um, you know, the education, Islamic education of their children. So we were also one of the people who migrated yeah, from Texas to Buffalo for that. You know what's so amazing is that you were all the way on the other side of the world, like in Texas. Yeah. Uh, I mean, sorry, in um, in New York. But uh, subhanAllah, we had a very similar experience in the UK. So the place uh-huh. where we uh, grew up was um, also very, like a very strong Muslim community and mm-hmm. um, mainly immigrants from um, India, Pakistan, Bangladesh as well. They had come over for work and um, yeah, work purposes. Wow. And subhanAllah, so we had a, a very, very strong Muslim community around us as well. Uh, there were a lot of masajid. There's still, 
in fact, I think it's one of the one of the places in the UK where there's the most masajid per like square meter. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so a lot of the people who we grew up with, of course, uh, were from the same faith. And we um, I, I seen a lot of uh, women wearing the, the niqab as well. So, yeah. Yeah, humans are like social beings and they really get influenced by the environment they're in and the people who they surround themselves with. So, subhanAllah, like growing up and then the, at the Islamic elementary school I went to, um, it was part of the uniform to wear the hijab. And I started wearing the hijab when I was around four or five years old. And then hijab, meaning I just covered my hair at the moment, at the time. And then, um, you know, I wore modest clothes, but not, you know, abaya, of course, from the right, from the beginning. And then as I grew up, when I started my hiv when I was nine years old, that's when I started wearing my abaya. The abaya is the, the, the long clothes that covers your whole um, body. So, yeah, I started wearing the abaya when I was nine. And then... Um, like I said, the the girls around me were wearing it, so I was encouraged to wear it too. And then when I turned around 12 years old, that's when um, I made my decision of wearing the niqab. And my mom, she would like, you know, I was I would tell my mom, I want to wear it, I want to wear it, and she was like, no, it's something that is a lifelong decision. So once you wear it, you're not going to be on and off and taking it off whenever you want, wearing it when you want, and you're going to be firm with your decision and keep it on lifelong, you know. So um, I was like, I'm ready for it. You know, I want to cover myself. It feels protected. And I feel, you know, like I am in, you know, like in a shell or, you know, I'm covered. So it was my own decision. I wasn't forced by anyone, my parents or my brother or nobody forced me to do it. And alhamdulillah, I've started since I was 12. And um, yeah, I've been wearing it ever since. Alhamdulillah. Subhanallah. So um, in your family, was your mom or anyone around you wearing it? Well, actually, growing up, my mom grew in an environment where, like, you know, that Pakistani mindset where you either be a doctor, or an engineer, and if you're something else, then you're useless and that kind of thing. And then, so she she was a she was becoming a doctor while she was young and stuff, and she didn't have that environment of like wearing the hijab or even like dressing modestly and stuff. And then when she moved to the U.S., um, she started wearing the hijab, just covering her head, not even the abaya or the niqab. She would wear like jeans and stuff, and then just cover her head. And alhamdulillah, slowly Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guided my parents. And that's when my mom, she started wearing the abaya and then slowly the niqabs. But as I grew up, I saw her always wearing it. Like when I got my senses, when I was three, four, five years old, I always saw my mom wearing the niqab. So, yeah. Okay, interesting. Wow, subhanAllah. That's, um, yeah, that's really lovely to know that um, you were inspired from such a young age so what about you? How was your journey with the niqab? When did you start wearing it? And how did you get inspired to cover up and wear the niqab and abaya and everything? Okay, so um, like yourself, I grew up in an environment, like I said, where there was a lot of practicing um, Muslims around me and a lot of them wore the niqab. And um, yeah, it was just something, you know, subhanAllah, like you said, when you get accustomed to seeing something around you, you it's automatically... It, becomes you know your normal kind of thing so um but having said that I actually personally didn't um want to wear the niqab when I was younger I didn't see myself wearing the niqab so my journey was a bit different in a sense that yeah I saw these people around me but I felt like my I wanted to make my own decision 
And it doesn't necessarily have to be according to what I saw around me. So my mom as well, she wears the niqab. And um, I'm not too sure when she started wearing it, but I know that she studied uh, when she went over to Madrasa to study and stuff, then she must have started wearing it then. So she's uh, been wearing it ever since. And um, yeah, so she never ever pressured us into, you know, wearing it and all that obviously when I was younger maybe around the age of um let's say about eight eight nine I started wearing the scarf mm -hmm. and uh that was at school and alhamdulillah we went to a Islamic um Islamic school primary school and high school and uh, alhamdulillah my whole mm -hmm. education has been uh, Islamic in an Islamic environment so alhamdulillah I'm very very blessed for that um, but yeah, having said that, so I didn't necessarily feel pressured to wear it. And the interesting thing is that when I was in, when I had started high school, a lot of my peers, because in the UK, I think we mentioned this in, an, in a previous episode, how we have the Alimia program that a lot of yeah. the young um the young people they enroll in and it's basically just like studies of Arabic and Islamic studies so different sciences so you have hadith fiqh tafsir and all that and subhanAllah you know this they start when they're very young and I personally as well started when I was very young as well and a lot of my friends at that time they started wearing the niqab and I think for them it was something that maybe was um, you know a new thing so mm -hmm. they wanted to try it out and like, you know, how yourself, you were very inspired and, you know, really wanted to, you had that zeal. Mm -hmm. So same with the, my friends around me, a lot of the girls in my class, they had started wearing the niqab. And I remember they would ask me, you know, like, aren't you going to start to wear it and everything? Um, but I don't know, when I was younger, I just had a mind of my own and I just wanted to do my own thing. And um, I don't know if I mentioned this in a previous episode, but I never ever saw myself when I was younger. Um, I never ever saw myself studying the dean as a full time thing. Mm. You know what I mean? I always saw that I wanted to become, you know, maybe a lawyer or maybe a psychologist or maybe a journalist in the future. You know, I was very uh, um, like I had a lot of ambition in that regard. Mm. So I didn't see myself wearing the niqab and all that stuff. And obviously I was young at the time, right? And um, yeah, so when my friends would ask me, I would just be like, you know, I want to I wanna make a decision when I'm uh, fully, yeah, when I'm ready for it and I'm fully understanding, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And like your mom told you that you don't want to wear it and then take it off and then wear it, you know what I mean? You uh, Same with me, like I personally felt like I don't want it to be a decision that I'm just putting it on because my friends around me and the people around me are putting it on and, um, you know, they don't know, maybe, perhaps they don't know truly why they're putting it on. Um, so I didn't want to just jump on the trend kind of thing. So fast forward like a couple of years and I continued my Islamic studies along with my secular studies that I was doing at school and of course my school was an Islamic high school for girls only mm. so alhamdulillah it was a very nice um, you know environment where we didn't have to worry about the free mixing aspect of course you know the whole free mixing aspect comes outside of the school environment but alhamdulillah mm. we weren't tested with it in the school environment so that mm. was good uh, yeah so 
when my uh, when I got older and I started to understand a lot more and especially I think the change came when I transferred from I was studying initially at an institute where they were uh, translating the the Quran and things like that into Urdu so Urdu mm -hmm. isn't our first language so it's like mm -hmm. a second language so although we understood it you know it's different when you speak to somebody in the actual first language you know yeah, what I mean true. so when I transferred from that uh, madrasa that I was studying at where they were doing in Urdu and I transferred to one where they were doing in English that's where I felt like there was a huge difference in terms of how I was understanding the knowledge and how I was understanding my faith you know mm -hmm. what I mean so and uh, yeah and subhanallah you know something interesting to note is that a lot of these alimia programs towards the end like I'd say the fifth sixth year so altogether it's like six to seven year program mm -hmm. towards the fifth sixth uh, year the teachers they actually really encourage their students to start you know wearing the niqab uh, because obviously you are, as a student of knowledge, you're carrying, uh, you know, sacred knowledge with you. You know, mm -hmm. it's it's uh, this knowledge is not something that's uh, to be taken lightly. And for and for that to be uh, kind of in you, you need to make that change in terms of, you know, the way you carry yourself, the way mm -hmm. you um, the way you dress, the way you speak. You know, and this all mm -hmm. ties in with the co the concept of modesty. So I guess in their, you know, in their goodwill, they were trying to get the students to uh, cover mm. and they would have this, this rule where, well, not all the Madaris, but just some of them, they would have this rule where you can't graduate unless you're wearing the niqab. Okay. So, yeah, so I felt like, you know, as much as yes, they probably were coming from, you know, a good intention, a good place. But I mean, you can't force somebody to do something for the, like, you know, it's kind of like you'll get the certificate, but you have to be wearing the niqab. So mm. it's not, it's not encouraging, encouraging it to come from the girls themselves. You yeah, know what I mean? Sure. So, um, yeah, subhanAllah, I found that really, really strange. And um, yeah, but the, the madrasa that I had transferred to thereafter, Alhamdulillah, they uh, didn't have such conditions in place. And um, they were just mainly focused on allowing us to understand the religion better, right? Mm. So as for the other Madaris, a lot of the girls had put it on. Uh, I think maybe they felt pressured and forced, mm -hmm. um, which later on, you know, it resulted in uh, sadly a lot of them taking it off. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it's it's not a pleasant thing at all to yeah, be seeing definitely. that, but but it's a lesson, you know, it's mm -hmm. a lesson to say that niqab is not something, and even hijab in itself, it's not something that, you know, should be forced on somebody, it should be encouraged in a loving manner, and also focusing on the person's understanding of the religion, yeah, because exactly. once you have that connection and that faith with Allah, yeah. that is when um, you're able to then obey his commands more easily yeah, exactly when the heart changes then the actions that come about are based on the condition of the heart but you can't force totally, an action like, upon someone yeah yeah totally like the hadith where the prophet said that in the body there's a flesh and mm -hmm. if that is 
إذا صالو حتى if that is like if that is you know in a good state then everything else follows and if that is corrupted then everything else follows so your actions will become corrupt etc so yeah subhanallah it's about mainly first and foremost working on the heart so alhamdulillah I was able to work on that you know and with the help of my teachers and that we they really helped us to focus on you know the strengthening our faith and so yeah when I um when I was reaching my I think it was my last year um before graduating from the Alimia program I was like you know what I think I I think I want to wear it from my own accord you know I want to because basically how my journey of dressing modestly and everything went was that when I was younger I wore a headscarf right but mm-hmm. my clothing maybe must have been like either a, a short dress and some pants and things like that mm-hmm. and then as I started to get older and you know naturally as a woman you know changes happen um, in your body and stuff and sometimes like it depends on the person but I personally felt like I wanted to conceal that you know what I mean I wanted mm-hmm. to um uh, yeah dress a bit more modestly so slowly slowly I started to uh, wear more like skirts as opposed to pants and mm-hmm. uh, you know more like loose fitting clothing and um, yeah and then as we went on so maybe I'd say like a couple of years into that then only I started wearing like an uh, a abaya when you go out um sorry, when I went out, um, I started wearing a, a cloak over my whatever clothes mm. I was wearing underneath. But at this time, I was still wearing my, you know, scarf wrap around. And I forgot to mention how I had started to get fr- from the time I hit puberty, I started to get acne. And I really, really wanted to cover it, it made me very insecure. So I started like wearing a lot of no, I wouldn't say too much makeup, but makeup enough to cover it, you know, because mm-hmm. I was feeling very, very insecure about it. So that's how like, so I would even when I would go out, for example, I would wear, you know, my uh, scarf around makeup and just a cloak on top. And for me, of course, like, you know, depending on the stage that you're at, you think that that is hijab. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, I didn't see that as anything wrong. And Alhamdulillah, you know, I was very, very fortunate in a sense that my my mother and my family, they didn't ever pressure me into, you know, wearing a certain thing. For them, it was like, I think mainly they understood that hijab, you know, is a journey. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it will come, you know. So uh, yeah, so fast forward to when I was like in my last years about to graduate after all that I had learned about you know the companions and subhanallah their their ever readiness to you know obey the commands of Allah as soon as it came down and how they were how they were towards the deen you know and I thought Mm -hmm. to myself subhanallah and I would listen to a lot of lectures like as well uh, Islamic lectures so I constantly heard about this whole concept of, you know, submitting to Allah, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, and submitting to, 
even if sometimes it goes against what we you know want in our heart but mm-hmm. the fact that we we hear and we obey that is islam islam yeah. is submission, submission right definitely uh so yeah so then uh, i took it at the time i was in college i must have been about 16 17 mm-hmm. and um yeah subhanallah so in college we were allowed to it was also a same islamic Uh, girls only uh, college alhamdulillah and mm-hmm. we were able to wear like the cloaks so um that's another thing actually because i felt like when we were in the high school the uniform that they had were trousers and like a, a dress mm-hmm. um that wasn't too long and yeah and then people were wearing the niqab with the the headscarf right but personally i didn't feel really comfortable with that because i felt like you know yeah you're covering your face but you can see body. like the shape of your legs you know yeah, what i mean for true. me that i wasn't too comfortable but alhamdulillah when i got to college and we were able to wear cloaks and stuff i was like you know what i think this is the right time for me and um so yeah i i can't remember the exact date that i started and the exact year and all that but i remember i was in college and it was about 16 17 years old and yeah i started wearing it subhanallah and never looked back since alhamdulillah <laughs> yeah alhamdulillah of course my journey has continued and as i learn more and as i um study more and um hear more about the companions and subhanallah you know just just listening to stories about their submission i feel like it just renews that inside your heart and you mm-hmm. just feel you you feel even more willing to you know let go of certain desires that you have inside your heart yeah, for definitely. the yeah order of the, allah yeah definitely so mm-hmm. um yeah i think i've I, i've spoken a lot but i just wanted to say that you know your journey for example was something that subhanallah it started when you were very young and you had that strength inside you and it came from allah to be honest because mm-hmm. you were yeah you were like you said you were memorizing the quran from such a young age mashallah and you know you were in that you were in that environment and alhamdulillah that you were given the ability to start from such a young age and continue it mm-hmm. you know and then um yeah whereas for me i to i needed to take it at my own pace mm-hmm. and i felt like that you know definitely shapes the way that i view it now because i definitely view it as something that i'm extremely passionate about and i view it in very high regard because it's something that i took a lot of years you know i took a lot of years to study about my faith to incre- to increase that um that zeal inside my heart to then take that step you know what i mean mm-hmm. having said that actually i'm now remembering that so we used to come for umrah um regularly like i wouldn't say every year but quite often um and my my mom would encourage us to wear uh, the niqab here because mm-hmm. now here's the thing right when we when we came to saudi initially we were very young but of course here what um i don't know if you've ever noticed or experienced it but as a foreigner you have a lot of you know people staring at you yeah. and you know a lot of yeah and a lot of men staring at you to be honest um, because most of the ladies are covered so it's weird for them to see someone uncovered yeah. so yeah yeah true 
And so it kind of made, um, probably it kind of made my mom very uncomfortable, you know, and as we were getting older, like I said, it was just a bit uncomfortable. So in the beginning, she did, you know, tell us that it would be better if we covered. Mm -hmm. And subhanAllah, you know, when people would ask me, oh, you know, how, um, how did you like cover? Mm -hmm. And I always say to them that it was a whole different atmosphere, like, Subhanallah, even now I'm I'm currently in Medina and it's like um it definitely environment does make a huge mm. difference. Yeah. You know, um when you see people around you covering, you just automatically feel comfortable and you feel like you can blend in and you know all that. Yeah. It's really, really um helpful, alhamdulillah. And uh that's why, like personally, I wouldn't choose to um, you know, move to a place where there's uh there's a lot of uh you know you're a foreigner and you're really like out Minority. of place because yeah and because then you can you can definitely feel that that pressure more yeah but you know but like, having said that yeah, yeah like sorry, at no. the same time like you're saying the environment really affects you and stuff and it's very comfortable for you to cover while you're in saudi as compared to if you go back to the uk or if i'm here in the u.s I did feel that as well in, in Medina, subhanAllah, everyone's wearing black and they're wearing abayat al-ra'is. It's like an abaya that goes over your head and you see no part of your body. It's like around at least, with no exaggeration, three times your size. And it goes, it drags even below your toes. So subhanAllah, it's an amazing abaya. And I think it's very close to the abaya of the time of the Prophet that the, that the Sahabiyat and the Ummahat al-Mu'mineen would wear, right? The mothers of the believers. But at the same time, we need to keep in mind, who are we wearing it for? Are we wearing it because of society, because the people around us are doing it? Or are we wearing it for Allah? Because I've seen that many people in Saudi, when they're, when they're there and they're in that environment, they're wearing it. The moment they get on the plane, na'udhu billah, I mean, you their dressing is totally changed and you can't recognize the person you're like is this the same lady that got on the plane with me and when she gets off she's yeah. totally you know i don't want to say but revealing clothes uh took her hijab abaya niqab everything off so you're like you know we really need to re uh, you know renew our intentions and ask ourselves am i wearing it for allah and i'll continue to wear to wear it no matter um you know how much the situation changes or i'm wearing it just because everyone around me is wearing it so like you say, in Muslim minority countries, it's hard for us to wear it, but that keeps us strong. Like no matter what people tell us, and I'm wearing it because of Allah. I'm wearing it because it's the order of Allah. And it's because it's the way the Prophet's wives and the Sahabiyat used to cover. So I'm going to cover no matter where I go. So, you know, it, you keep renewing your intention and that's what keeps you strong. So, yeah. So that's a really, really um, important point that you brought up because that's true a lot of people here for example although they wear it um they because it's a cult it's for them they haven't learned why they wear it and everything that's why i'm saying even the girls who used to wear it when i was younger for example they probably started wearing it because they felt pressured to wear it you get me so when your intention to start off with is not correct you know then you're not gonna you're really gonna struggle and whenever you're going to find it difficult or whenever you're going to find yourself in a situation where you're the only one dressing like this, you're going to take it off. You know, you're not going to be consistent with it. And also, never mind, not only consistent with it, you're not going to wear it properly in the first place. So you'll see a lot of women, you know, that they'll wear, they'll wear the, they'll be covering their face, right? 
but then you'll see their legs are open at the bottom or their arms are all you know open and um it's just it's subhanallah it's come it comes from a place of you know lack of knowledge and understanding of why you wear it that's why it's very yeah. important so i'd say for me personally um it's only after i started learning about uh the sahaba and their their um submission to the deen that that inspired me to then want to follow in that path right because at the end of the day when we aspire for jannah we don't we don't want to be you know at the bottom inshallah we want to be at the top we want to be with the prophet and we want to be with the wives we want to be uh with uh the companions you know of the prophet and in order to get to that level our standards need to always be high you know, mm. we can't afford to have low standards and look at, for example, you know, what the people in our community or in our area are doing. No, we must look at who do we want to be with? We want to be with the Prophet and the companions. So what did they used to do? Yeah. They were always ready. They, their whole mindset was just we hear and we obey, right? Mm. They knew who Allah is and, for example, that he's Allah's commandments that he sends down right is whether we know it or not it has wisdom that is beyond our uh, beyond our mind right beyond our comprehension mm -hmm. and therefore we just need to hear and obey Definitely. right and uh, you know going into the whole debate of you know well niqab is not fard I don't need to wear it or you know all that let's leave that aside right for a moment and let's talk about this whole concept of modesty right mm -hmm. let's talk about for example you know yes you might say that niqab is not obligatory but then who said it was allowed to wrap a small you know head covering and then have you know all your body parts showing or who said it was uh, allowed for you to have a face full of makeup you know what i mean or who said it was allowed to post selfies so I think it's a loophole that people are using to say, oh, the niqab is not obligatory. But then they, they don't realize that not only are they not wearing the niqab, they're actually going okay. steps yeah. towards what is the whole concept of why we wear the niqab in the first place. Exactly. So, um, yeah, so subhanAllah, it just comes down to a point of let's be more open about this and let's try and understand it properly. You know, it's not there. Yeah. And subhanAllah, it's not there as an oppression to women or anything. In fact, talking from my own experience, I found the niqab to be extremely liberating. So in, in so many different aspects. So in one aspect, you know, you have the fact that you finally feel like I'm doing something that is pleasing to Allah. Right. Is in the footsteps of the Prophet's wives and he his um, you know daughters and the companions, right? Uh, the female companions. So inshallah, I will I'm striving to you know aim to their standards so I can be with them in the hereafter. Sure. That's second. And thirdly, is that you know we have to admit that this is actually such a protection for us uh, from all kinds of like evils out there in society and in particular the evils from the opposite gender because you know like we discussed in the previous episode that shaitan comes between 
the two opposite genders when they are not halal for each other, basically. Mm-hmm. And he will try and make them do anything, you know, to try and get them to the fawahish, right? Mm. To the immorality. Yeah. And uh, me personally, uh, from my own experience, I found that when I never used to wear the niqab, right? I was still, you know, alhamdulillah, I used to try and act as modest as I can. You know, I never used to start, um, you know, making conversations with the opposite gender or looking at them and like, you know, flirting or whatever. But subhanAllah, I just had experiences where men would actually come up to me and start making conversations with me. They would actually, I had, once I had this guy, I was in, subhanAllah, I was in Malaysia actually. And I had, um, you know, I was wearing the hijab of my standard at that time, you know, which was a scarf and a dress and some pants. And subhanAllah, this guy just was like, oh, you know, uh, can you give me your number and all that? And I was just like, you know, I actually told him because Alhamdulillah, you know, Allah gave me the strength to tell him that, you know, it's wrong. Like, why are you even asking me to do this? Like, it's wrong. You know what I mean? And I just felt, you know, some some women, I'm not going to lie, like some women, they might enjoy that attention, but it made me feel so uncomfortable, subhanAllah. Mm. And I just felt so like violated, you know what I mean? And yes, a lot of women nowadays, they say that, oh, you know, well, it's the man's fault and, you know, it's um, he's going to be accountable. No doubt it's he's going to be accountable for his actions. However, we are going to be accountable for our actions and what yeah. we give them to see. You know what exactly. I mean? We shouldn't so, be inviting them and then say, oh, they're accountable for coming. Well, why are exactly. you inviting them? Exactly. I mean, at the end of the day, we can't just blame others for um, things that happen to us. There has to come a time where we take responsibility and look at ourselves and say, what can I do to change to improve this? Right. So, um, so I was like, I, I felt really uncomfortable. And this wasn't just one experience. It was like a lot of experiences that I had. And it just made me feel completely, the word is disgusted. Mm-hmm. I just felt disgusted. And I was like, you know what? That made me then, subhanAllah, that made me then realize that this whole thing of Allah commanding us to cover, I was like, if I am covering, I'm wearing a scarf, I'm wearing loose fitting clothes, I'm wearing, you know, I'm, I'm wearing the so-called what Allah has commanded us, well, what I thought at the time. I was like, how come this is still happening? Because Allah says that it's, it's a protection, you know, to, to conceal your beauty and to, to um, protect you so, that you may, so that you may be known and not be harmed as a result. So I was like, you know, how come this is happening when I'm wearing the hijab? Then I realized, subhanAllah, that Allah opened my eyes to the reality that it's because, unfortunately, it was incorrect hijab, you know, and that is why it was still, despite me wearing that, it was still leading to things happening. That realization was indeed from Allah, subhanAllah. Yeah, it really was. And, um, of course, it was totally, you know, something that Allah guided me to because, it was just, I started reading this book actually about, um, it was called Aisha, the wife, the companion, the scholar. 
And subhanAllah, I, I, I hadn't yet finished that. Uh, I haven't yet finished reading that book. But when I started reading it and I would, you know, subhanAllah, we live in a time where immorality and, you know, openness and this freedom is so common that it makes you question, okay, am I being too strict here? Yeah. Right. Or am I doing something that, you know, is maybe extreme in the religion? But then when you read up truly on the lives of these women who were, you know, who are number one queens of Jannah, Fatima radiallahu anha is the queen of paradise. And then you have the Ummahatul Mu'mineen whom Allah, you know, praised for their, for their attributes and there will be no one that will come close to their level. Hmm. And yet, when I read, like, subhanAllah, you know, when she used to do tawaf, this was just one example. When she used to do tawaf of the Kaaba, she used to try and do it as furthest away as possible, even though this would take long and it would be a lot of, you know, hardship and difficulty because at the time they didn't have like marble and all that stuff. Mm. You know, they had, of course, rocks and all that stuff. SubhanAllah, she would do it and she would try and do it at a time when they were, when males were not present. And if you think of that, and you think that, you know, they would put themselves in positions of difficulty just to follow the rules uh, of that Allah has ordained. And here mm. we are and we find a little bit of like, you know, difficulty and we're like, oh, it must be something that Allah hasn't ordained. Because why? Because mm. it's difficult for us. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, so we true. don't like salah is ordained five times a day. It's difficult for us to get up in the morning. It's difficult for us to, you know, pray at night. It's difficult for us to pray when we have, um, you know, things going on in the day. However, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that inna salata kanat The salah is a fixed time for the believers, right? Regardless whether you are at war. SubhanAllah, Allah has a whole... Uh, he, he has told us a whole way and method of praying the salah when you are at war. So, exactly. So the there's certain things in the religion that are just not negoti- negotiable. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like come what may, you have to you have to comply. And uh, subhanAllah, one of them is the aspect of modesty because Allah says that tell uh, to the, the prophet ﷺ that tell the believing tell your wives tell the your daughters and tell the believing women right to yudinina alayhinna min jalabibihin to cover themselves with the jilbab right mm-hmm. so and subhanallah they, they there's so many descriptions of how you, which you can gauge of how this jilbab was that there was it was referred to because when you look at the actions of the female companions, there were narrations that, you know, they were, they would come out and they were as if they were like crows, you know, completely mm. black or in dark colors, because that was like least attractive to the eye, you know, and you couldn't even tell like their shape, their color or anything, you know what I mean? Like they, mm. and they would leave one eye open for for the to to see you know for the basic necessity of sight Mm. and when you think of this it's just like and then you think of how that is a standard that I want to be I want to be with these women in Jannah you know then you think subhanallah yeah Allah give me the tawfiq to actually follow in their footsteps 
I mean, right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, subhanAllah. So that's, that has been my whole, um, my whole journey. And yeah. And even when I started wearing the niqab, actually, you know, when I wore the, the cloak, it wouldn't be too baggy, uh, wouldn't be tight either, but it would just be, you know, normal. But like I said, the more you have an open heart and an open mind and you really want to try and learn and understand what, you know, the, the companions, the female companions did and what, the, the, what Allah has ordained, you slowly, slowly start to realize that, hang on, you know, this cloak that I'm wearing, it needs to be more concealing, you know. It needs to be like, for example, before... I used to um, wear, like, for example, I didn't mind wearing eyeliner or, you know, any type of makeup and whatever. And then I realized, no, no, this, any type of, all this is defeating what the purpose is. Mm-hmm. So the purpose isn't to draw attraction to ourselves. You know what I mean? And the purpose is that we are submitting to Allah and that, that this is what we, we, are, we are showing Allah. You know what I mean? And yeah, even gloves, to be honest, I never used to, I, I never used to wear them um, when I first started, maybe once here, there, I tried them, but uh, subhanAllah, I just, I just felt like it was, it was something that I was very comfortable in and I felt mm-hmm. very secure and I felt very protected, you know, and my journey continues, you know, I'm not saying that I'm perfect at this stage. Of course, there are many, you know, you can always, there's something to improve. Definitely. And uh, yeah, what just, uh, uh, other benefits have you found with uh, wearing the niqab? So um, subhanAllah, you know how people say that uh, if you want to wear the niqab and you want to cover up like this, stay home. You know, there's no reason for you to leave the house if you want to be all pious and you want to be all covered up. And why are you going, why are you going out? My dad always told us that you wear the niqab in order to leave your house. Why would you ever wear the niqab inside your door, inside your house, right? So subhanAllah, we've, it has never stopped us from any kind of sport. We have, we've owned horses. We do horseback riding. We take our friends as well. We go swimming with tabaya and niqab. As long as you know how to swim, if you don't, just wear a life jacket. And inshallah, Allah will uh, allow that to save you um, with his order. And subhanAllah, swimming, horseback riding, um, mountain climbing, you know, um, hiking, jogging, bike riding, uh, any kind of sport that you want to do. Or we have a lot of snow here. We go, you know, um, ice skating, or you can also take a sled and go sledding, whatever you want to do. So subhanAllah, it's just a piece of cloth that covers you. Um, and subhanAllah, if you look at any other religion, it's not like Islam is just so, you know, it's so strict about covering and all that. Even Maryam salam, the Christians, when they draw her or whenever they have an idol or whatever of her, she's always covered fully as well. And it's, it's and something that, yeah, and the nuns, they also cover as well. But if they do it, it show, they show that the nuns are devoted. And if Muslims are doing it, they are, you know, they're being terrorized or they're, doing, they're being pressurized or, you know, um, they're being forced to do it. But it's our, if anyone has a question why the women do it, they should go ask the ladies why you do it. Are you forced or you're not forced? Is it your own choice? And I'm sure around more than, you know, I'd say 99% of the people would not cover if they were forced to do it. Like you said, like your own story. So subhanAllah, it's, 
it has never stopped me from doing anything that, um, you know, any sports or any kind of thing that Islamically is allowed, um, you know, to for ladies to do education. People say, if you're covering, you can't study. Alhamdulillah, I have, after I was doing my Hivs, after I did my um, high school, then I went on to college. I'm currently in my second year in college. And we have a lot of, uh, it's, it's a co-education system where there's girls and boys. And the niqab protects me, you know, it gives me my honor and my dignity and my, it's, it's a covering for me. It gives me, it's my pride, you know. So alhamdulillah, yeah, education so hasn't been uh, an issue either. So um, it's, it's just about taking, having the strength uh, to follow and obey the order of Allah. And Allah makes it easy, like any other order, like salah. If we want to pray and we're in the workplace, um, if people would say, oh, how can I make wudu? Or where can I, um, you know, spread my sajada? But if we want to actually pray, Allah will make it easy. We can we can wear leather socks or, you know, khufain and just do masa over it. Just, just have, um, you know, wet hands over it. And anytime you want to do something, you ask Allah for help and Allah strengthens us. So Definitely. Allah's help is And that's why I feel, yeah, and that's why I feel it's more to do with, uh, you know, the intention of your heart. If Allah knows that there is goodness and, uh, you know, there's sidq, there is truthfulness in your intention, Allah will facilitate the way for you. You know what I mean? So um, you have to be able to come from a higher understanding of thinking, you know, I'm, I want to find out truly, leave all my feelings and opinions and all that on the side and what society and everyone's been filling my ears with, right? I want to truly sit and find out what is Allah commanding us? What is it? Like, is it, um, what kind of way is it to dress? You know, what kind of way is it to speak and carry ourselves? You know, because remember, the niqab is a protection, okay, physically, right? It covers you, it uh, protects you. But then if you're going to be, you know, loud with your voice and, you know, laughing and cackling and inviting like all this unwanted attention, it's not going to be a protection for you, you know, mm -hmm. and same with, for example, if you're going to be uh, carrying yourself in a very provocative manner, you know, then it's not going to be a protection for you. And now I see a, a very, unfortunately, a very sad reality is that a lot of women, um, you know, even the most like you could say, even those who, you know, probably have knowledge of it, they still do it because I feel like maybe it's a, it's a weakness is that, wearing perfume you know wearing perfume and they're wearing you know full abaya full everything with their gloves and everything but yet when they go past it's like subhanallah the waft even like if i as a female i am um, i love that perfume and i'm just like wow and imagine a man who the prophet said that you know perfume and women have been made beloved to me i.e men have a natural you know inclination towards these things right it's allah allah has put it inside their heart right inside them and it's natural inclination so imagine like you're doing this and you're wearing all this to protect yourself but yet you're doing that that is just defeating you know the purpose so yeah these kids yeah to yeah, exactly definitely so uh, you know, Allah explicitly mentions about the, the the sound that comes from the from the shoes. You know, or the or the at the time they used to wear that bracelet around their ankle, which 
used to emit a sound and that is you know impermissible so subhanallah it it really requires a lot of um a lot of learning you know and being being like i said having that truthfulness in your heart and educating yourself right mm-hmm. that's number one number two i was going to say is that um you know when you mentioned about how you're able to do activities even with it on right and subhanallah even i found that i'm able to travel i've been to so many countries alhamdulillah around the world and you know the amazing thing is that because i knew why i wear the because i knew why i put on this veil and what this veil means to me and it's much more than just you know i'm just covering my face no because it's a commandment of allah etc you know when i go for example on holiday you know there is this idea that oh you know when you're not around your society or whatever they won't know you know what you're doing you can you can like take it off you know have a have a nice time whatever and then put it back on once you're ready to go back mm-hmm. but that's the thing i because you know that you have that consciousness you know it's it's something that pricks at you and you think subhanallah you know allah is watching no matter where you are and so um wherever i travel and subhanallah people ask me how how is it you know with the stairs and everything and i completely this is how i see it i see it as you know this is my chance for example if i'm the only one there and i'm the only one covered the way that i am i see it as this is my opportunity to you know give them dawa through this you know exactly. to to show them that i am uh, you know i am yes i am a muslim i am a muslima and i dress the way that i dress but it doesn't stop me from having good manners it doesn't stop me from you know enjoying what allah has um allowed me to enjoy and um yeah and subhanallah it's it's a, it's a, you know you don't even have to speak with your mouth and it's already a form yeah, of dawa right yeah so uh, for me personally i actually don't mind the stairs i feel like if they stare like to be honest that's even better because they at least get to see that, that this muslima is you know she feels confident in her hijab you know she is able to do what she enjoys and you know and of course if there is a situation where i feel uncomfortable right let's say for example i feel uncomfortable uh, doing a particular activity or going to a particular place uh, you know with my niqab i view that as subhanallah allah has placed this as a barrier like for me it's a protection like you know what i mean that means mm-hmm. i shouldn't be at that place anyways yeah. you know what i mean mm-hmm. if i shouldn't be uh, going x to x y and z place or doing x y and z thing if i'm feeling uncomfortable with my niqab there yeah. you know what i mean True. so in a way it's like a physical also reminder of yeah. you know what you should and shouldn't be doing yeah well activities you should be involved in subhanallah coming back to when you said that you know identifying yourself as a muslim and being proud about it subhanallah i just came back from a two week uh, family trip road trip in america and we traveled to, we went through like over 10 to 12 states and um from uh, illinois to california to up and then we came up north and then we came back so subhanallah every time we wanted to pray we would stop and make wudu and we would pray our salah and subhanallah that is a, it's such a big you know a form of uh, da'wah as well and you know they always see it in their scriptures bowing prostrating but they actually never have bowed or prostrated their head to the floor after 
how it's actually supposed to be done. So when they see us doing it, they're like, that's what the scripture actually means, you know? And they, subhanAllah, they don't walk from in front of you. They stand behind. And a lot of people, they ask, what were you doing? I know you were praying, but why in this certain direction? A little, like a five-year-old child, uh, a white boy came to us. And he was like, I want to know why you're praying towards northeast why are you praying towards this particular direction so then we explained to him the whole concept of the kaaba and the qibla and how unity and subhanallah we're not praying to we're not praying we're not worshiping the kaaba but it shows the unity and you know how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is one and the whole entire ummah no matter where they are they pray towards the kaaba worshiping allah but it's his order to face there and subhanallah you get to explain to them concepts that they're unaware of and then the niqab itself, it speaks out, you know, and when they see that you can be enjoying nature, you can be hiking, you can be, you can enjoy the sunrise and the sunset and, you know, enjoy your time, but with this dress. So subhanAllah, it's a, it's a form of da'wah. It's like a simple concept. Like if you have a pearl, right, you have a pearl and you keep it out on the shelf. Won't people, some people will pass by and they'll think of stealing it. Some people will pass by and they'll touch it. So eventually they'll they'll make it dirty. Some uh, and if it just sits there, it'll get dust on it. So it's it's always vulnerable towards you know getting stolen or getting dirty or you know it, it's always in the eyes of the people. At the same time, if that pearl or if that gem was put in a box and it was put in a cupboard or somewhere where it was put to to be safe, so subhanallah the niqab and the hijab and the abaya and our covering is like that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed a whole surah in the Quran for Nisa, for women, surah An-Nisa. And he explains all the rights that the women have in Islam. And people out of Islam don't have those rights. You know, they were buried alive. They used to be tortured. They used to be considered dirty if they are in their, you know, monthly cycles and all that. So subhanAllah, Islam gives us so much liberty. Islam gives us so much respect. And like a simple thing, I tell the whites here, if they, the Americans or the non-Muslims here, if they ask me, why do you cover? I say, if you want to buy a banana and you go to the store, would you pick one with the peel or one without the peel? Simple thing like that. Or if you give a candy to a Even child. Even a sweet, yeah. Yeah, and one that's covered and one that's not covered. So of course you would pick the one that's covered because that is, it's more protected, you know? It's more, it's less um, you know, it, it has no dust on it. It has no impurity on it. The same way a woman protected and covered, that's her dignity. You know, that's her respect. That's her honor. No bad uh, gaze looks at her. No, no guy uh, looks at her with uh, bad intentions and stuff like that. So, subhanAllah, it's you a know, simple concept. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's very, it's a very actually powerful example that uh, many people, you know, I, I hear that they use about the sweet, you know, and how the candy, you know, when it's open and how all the, you know, fleas and everything are attracted to it, but when it's closed, it's protected, you know. Mm -hmm. So I want to touch upon this. Um, in fact, before I get there, actually, I was going to say how when you were talking about the traveling part, and I was like, I wanted to say that, um, you know, when we when we travel, when we're traveling and when, of course, at the airport, the security and everything, and they need to see your face for verification and everything. So, subhanAllah, once we um, at this one airport and you'll notice, subhanAllah, that so a lot of the times they are very facilitating and, you know, yeah. accommodating to your needs. Yeah. So once I remember clearly there was this um, there was this man at the at the counter 
And, um, you know, I said, uh, of course, like if we need to go on everything. No, in fact, what happened was he said that, oh, you know, before we even could say anything like, oh, do you need us to lift the face veil and whatever? Before we could even say anything, he was like, oh, um, you know, you can like the women, they can uh, get yeah. checked over there by the woman. And I, it just made you realize how if you want to do something right for for the sake of Allah, there are moments when Allah will just facilitate the way for you. Definitely. You know what I mean? Like we didn't even need to ask him that, you know, can we go and see a female or whatever? He's the one from his own um you know, initiative. And a few times they've actually asked, so why do you wear this thing? And we said, oh, you know, it's a, uh, it's a command, like it's in, our, it's, it's in our faith. And subhanAllah, it's just, you've just given them that idea that look at this woman, she's submitting to her Lord. You know, she's, uh, she's not there to please others. She's there to please Allah. So yeah, um, it's a very powerful message. For the non-Muslims as well. Yeah, you know how you were saying that Allah facilitates Pala up until today. Alhamdulillah, I've lived in over five countries. I've traveled over, I don't know how many countries all over the world. Alhamdulillah. And I never ever had to show my face to a non-mahram at the airports. Because every time we asked, we would always, before leaving, we pray two rakah salatul haja and we ask Allah, Oh Allah, I'm covering for your sake so you keep me covered and protected. Because the only reason why I'm wearing this niqab is because to please you. For no other reason. So every time we we make dua for the for, for the for the protection of our niqab, and alhamdulillah at the airports and stuff, every time at the immigration, we ask for a female. Either they provide us with the female themselves, or we ask and they move, and a female comes and checks us, or they take us aside and check us. You know, so definitely Allah's help is with the person who you know believes in Allah, trusts in Allah, and asks Allah for help. Definitely, definitely, yeah. And um, I was going to say something else. Oh, yeah, about the... Um, so what about now, you know, nowadays, a lot of... I hear this thing of, you know, well, the hijab can, like, it's it can be, you know, you can be fashionable or you can have this... Uh, what's this thing that they have nowadays? Modest fashion? Yeah. And uh, subhanAllah, when I see this and when I hear about it, it just, it really pains me inside because I feel like, you know, how has shaitan managed to even get get into the aspect of modesty for a woman? SubhanAllah. Mm. The shaitan, you know, shaitan said to Allah that I will not leave them. Like I will come to them from their from the right, from the left, from above them, from beneath them, even if they are on the Surat al-Mustaqim, even mm. like from every single angle, the shaitan will try and come to us, right? And when I hear this statement of modest fashion, wallahi, I'm not even lying to you. I just think that this is definitely, the shaitan has got into this because modesty and fashion do not go together. They are two separate, like they are oxymoron. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, You cannot have modesty and fashion in the same sentence because then you are defeating the purpose of modesty. Allah sent this whole this whole concept allah sent this whole command down for the purpose of covering our beauty you know only allowing certain individuals in our life from the males to you know view this beauty so 
if you feel that you need to be fashionable when you're trying to be modest and you know if you're buying into this whole notion then you know and if you're listening to this then please know that this is a devil's deception you know and this is something that has really creeped into uh, like countless of women around the world and just know that that's not what modesty is all about you know modesty is not fashion modesty mm-hmm. is unfashionable you know it's to to keep all the fleas away basically mm-hmm. like let's just be as simple and as uh, covered as possible you know what i mean wearing all this is another thing i was going to say actually is that wearing all your you know lovely clothing and your you know cute outfits and all that stuff you can do it you know that's not what islam hasn't come to restrict that it's just come to place boundaries you know now nowadays there's this whole concept of boundaries you know keeping your boundaries with other people uh, to protect your own self and your own feelings and your own sanity so islam ha- has placed these boundaries where we can dress up and you know do what if dress in a in a manner that when we feel you know really beautiful etc but to do that inside within our homes with uh, with the women or with males that are you know within uh, that are permitted for us so that's one thing that i really really um liked here for example in uh, saudi since since i have been here for quite a few years now i've noticed that subhanallah the women here outside most of them uh, not all of them of course but they dress like you know abaya's cloaks and everything but once they're inside the house and they you know with their female uh, female relatives or friends or whatever they are in their you know full beauty mashallah and that was so such a refreshing sight because i felt like that is what the hijab is you know what i mean when you go out when you are interacting with people um that are not halal for you you know from the opposite gender etc there is this boundary there is this limit you know but once you're in it's fine like even though there is a boundary there is a limit to you know when there's females only of course as well but i'm i'm saying you can beautify you can adorn you know that hair that you always wanted to let out you can let it out the thing which i which i noticed is a difference between where i grew up in the uk so the women there because they're technically like they're wearing this uh the scarf and everything outside the house so when they're together and they're still wearing that you know what i mean that's why probably a lot of them feel like they're suffocated in this hijab and you know this hijab is not giving them the so called freedom that they want etc because mm-hmm. maybe they're not doing it in the totally like in the way that you're you're allowed to do it you know what i mean which is when you're with the females you can you know you can let your hair out you can uh wear the short sleeves that you want to wear you know what i mean you can dress in a beautiful manner and yeah subhanallah I, yeah wear makeup adorn yourself etc but once it's outside is where the issue is because mm-hmm. that's where the uh, the boundary comes in right yeah. so maybe that's something that we can take away you know from from another place in this in this uh, world which is the the middle east and i don't know if they have in other places as well but as what i know is that they do uh, um have this practice of you know they're able to be free inside 
Yeah, where, where uh, I yeah, up, um, it's like that too. Like they would wear their abaya and their niqab and all that outside. And then once you get together, like, you know, um, family get togethers or even like, you know, they call it like a potluck or something, a one dish where everyone just makes a dish and all these ladies get together and family friends. And then they all, you know, like you said, they adorn themselves. They wear um, the, the dresses and the fashion of the time and all that. But within the house and once they're leaving, they wear yeah. their abaya again. So yeah, and and it's like I I don't know if you've ever been to an Arab wedding. Um, I wouldn't say that it's you know the most halal of places because, unfortunately, look we we can't shy away from the fact that there has been a lot of culture mixed into a lot of practices. You know, um, certain practices that are Islamic, like for example, the nikah, right? It's it's come from Islam, right? Uh, meaning it's it's a practice that is ordained by Allah uh, I mean it's a it's a commandment from Allah right uh, but at the same time you know shaitan has mixed in with because obviously it's cultural and then it's mixed in with the whole fact that you know yes it's uh, it's time to celebrate so you know put on the music and you know sometimes sometimes women dress a bit inappropriately in front of other women as well you know yeah there has to be a limit as well so yeah but having said that I feel like the whole like witnessing an Arab wedding was definitely something that I think even one sister had mentioned that it just opened her eyes to this whole concept of hijab because first and foremost the men and the women are usually in two separate halls completely altogether and the women they are able, like, as soon as they come into the hall, they're able to take their hijab and their abaya and their jilbab and niqab and everything off. Mm-hmm. And um, they are able to be in their, you know, adorned state, mashallah. And um, they can enjoy, like, even the bride can enjoy and everything like that, mm-hmm. right? Whereas I felt like in the UK, for example, the weddings that I had attended, um, they were mixed and the bride was wearing, mm-hmm. like, you know, she was in her full glory of the dress and everything, but she was wearing like a, a head yeah. covering. Mm. Yeah, like a, a, the, the scarf. So I felt like that was really just, like I said, it defeats the purpose, you know, when yeah. you put fashion and when you put any of that fashion with modesty and with hijab, exactly. it just defeats yeah. the essence. And right. you know what the beautiful thing was when I went to an Arab wedding in Medina Munawara, they took away the phones at the entrance. So even though there was mm, only yeah. females, you have to give your phone, you have to, you know, there's like a collection area, and then they take your phones away, so no pictures allowed at all, and then you enter. So yeah. that keeps you even more covered and you know you're you're sure that nobody will be taking your pictures as well. So that yeah. that's an amazing yeah. way of celebrating. Yeah. Yeah, subhanAllah. And yeah, so um so now I wanted to ask you about the struggles of the niqab. Have you ever faced like a struggle or have you ever thought of, for example, taking it off? Alhamdulillah, I've never, ever thought of taking it off. But definitely because, you know, the media portrays Islam and Muslims and Muslimas and covered females as something that's, uh, you know, very bad. And um, we're like forced to do it and all that kind of stereotypes that people have about us. So because of lack of knowledge, I'd say it's 100% lack of knowledge. The people who believe the media 
and they believe all the the deceptive things that they're telling about Muslims. Like once I was walking on, um, it's it's like a it's called Broadway Avenue, and you know a a person just a female she walked across me and she's like I want to snatch that piece of cloth off your face, you know, and then it's like comments oh like that. Some people they would like get aggressive. Some people they they say uh, they they scream from their car while you're walking and then they scream go back to your country. I mean I'm an American citizen. I'm born and raised here. This is my country. You know what I mean. And um, subhanAllah, like that famous story where there was this cashier and uh, she was an Indian or Pakistani or something. And she took her hijab off just because she didn't want to look like a Muslim and what the news was telling about Muslims and all that. So she didn't want to be associated from, you know, the people. And the, the person who came to her customer, she was a white American, but fully dressed in black, covered to such an extent where the lady couldn't tell that she's, you know, a white person and she told her well go back to your country and then she later realized that she was a white american and born and raised there obviously and that lady was an immigrant and you know she had no right to say that to the white person so subhanallah it's just that you know we should be proud of who we are what we stand for our identity as muslimas our covering, our hijab, to whatever extent we're doing it. And we shouldn't let anything or anyone let us down and, you know, become shaky about our concepts or why we do what we do. So that's that's very important. And just yeah, like definitely. criticism, yeah, comments like that. And there's just like verbal harassment, I'd say. But other than that, alhamdulillah, I've never felt like, you know, why did I make this choice or anything? I'm proud of what I'm doing, alhamdulillah. Yeah, definitely. So I feel like, um, you know, it comes back to your intention of why you uh, wearing it in the first place. And of course, if you're going to wear it because other people around you are wearing it and you feel pressured, you're never going to be fully at ease inside. If you're wearing it out of pure submission to Allah, you know, no matter what comes your way, the verbal harassment, the anything, you know, I mean, the Sahaba, they were tortured nearly to death, you know, and they still held on to their faith. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, the fact that we're not, tortured to death you know we just have to deal with certain insults or certain you know people's uh, negative behaviors towards us um you know we need to we can we can put up with it you know surely uh because it's something that will like we spoke about earlier in previous episodes that when you're tested you know it's it's a means of number one elevation of your rank purification of your sins you know subhanallah this is it's a test you know this this life is not going to be easy like for me personally I feel like alhamdulillah I've I haven't had a situation where I've been insulted or I've been um yeah I don't think I've I've had that that uh, experience alhamdulillah for that but I do feel like uh like I said the stairs you know when you go to other places but that doesn't affect me because at the end of the day I know why I'm wearing it and if anything I look at those women who are so like scampily dressed you mm-hmm. excuse the term but they're so like revealing and I feel sorry for them I feel like you know you're just what's left of you you know what have you what have you protected of yourself you know what have you kept for yourself as you know that having that self-worth and that self-value yeah. and you know that's important and I and feel like I feel like unfortunately it's become 
such that the rise of feminism and everything, it's become such that it's portrayed as, uh, you know, the, for example, the less you cover and everything, that's the freedom. But if you realize you actually, it's a, it's a freedom from, uh, you know, maybe the shackles of like, maybe uh, from a religious, I'm talking about from a religious perspective, maybe it's a freedom from like having to deal with rules and regulations, but then you're, you're slaving away to men's desires. You know what I mean? You're like, you're allowing anyone and everyone to see and look and enjoy whatever they want. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. So true. So when I look at them, I just feel sorry for them, you know? So yeah, yeah, I guess it's your perspective of how you look at things. And in terms of, so I haven't really had um, much difficulty per se. There have been inconveniences, you know, like how we said about the airport, for example, that's maybe it's, you know, an inconvenience in a sense that you have to then ask for a female or whatever. But mm-hmm. to be honest, it's all, it's all rewarded and it's all mm-hmm. um, noticed and appreciated by Allah, you know, so how beautiful is that? And yeah. I just remembered how, subhanAllah, when I first started wearing the jilbab, so um, I've always wanted to wear the jilbab. I don't know why. I've uh, Maybe it's because when I see the women here uh, from a young age when we used to come for Umrah and that, I used to find it so, like, amazing at how, subhanAllah, they, you know, they're able to wear this. And um, I always used to think to myself, oh, you know, maybe, like, one day I could try this. So of course, when I start, when I came here at first, I um, I didn't used to wear it, but then Alhamdulillah, I, I started wearing it. And then of course, in the beginning, cause it's a bit long. And in the beginning, I um, used to trip over it a lot. And my husband used to be like, you know, there's no need, like, why are you actually wearing it? Uh, because I was already covering anyways. Mm-hmm. So I was like, no, I need, I want to wear it. And SubhanAllah, I just got myself used to it. And now it's like, it comes to me, second nature you know I, okay. I I just don't feel comfortable leaving the house without it it's like yeah. I understand yeah. so the more you start covering when you when you take that piece of cloth off you feel like you know you're uncovered you're insecure enough. yeah yeah when you say jilbab, yeah there's definitely been yeah just explain sorry, to the audience what, what exactly do you mean by jilbab because it's different from the abaya right yeah so in these terms, remember these terms, like for example, abaya and that, um, you know, they, they're just used to refer to the different piece, pieces of cloth. So you have the khimar, for example, which is the actual scarf. So what people call the hijab nowadays is actually the khimar, you know. And then you have the niqab, which is basically the face covering. And then you have, for example, abaya is just like a cloak that comes mainly from onto drapes from your shoulders. But then you have the jilbab, which is from the head. So, um, yeah. And um, subhanAllah, the sahabiyat, you know, they used to, they, their cloaks used to drag uh, because out of modesty, they wanted to make sure that their feet and everything were covered as well. And subhanAllah, they asked the Prophet that because remember there's, Islam doesn't like uh, encourage wasting and everything. So the, cl- the cloth, you know, the extra cloth. So they asked about the extra cloth, you know, will there be will, like, is it okay to have that? And the Prophet said that as long as it's, I think up to one arm's length, it's okay to have um, 
the piece of cloth. And in fact, so much so, many might not know this, but so much so that one uh, one companion asked the Prophet Sallallahu female companion, about how when they're walking and they their cloaks are dragging, mm-hmm. is it considered as najis? Is it considered impure? Yeah. Because it's, you know, scraping against the floor, the earth. So the Prophet Sallallahu said that basically some, like as, as you walk, it's cleaning, like it's, you're going across clean areas and dirty areas, but they, it's cleaning one another. So therefore, when you pray, even if it's dragging, even if it's been dragging, it's clean, you know, to, to as pray. Long as, it's, as long as it's dry, right? Yeah. yeah. So subhanAllah, it's, um, it's amazing, like how the concepts of, um, you know, the whole, the whole hijab, I was thinking whether we should um, touch up on the fact that, you know, when the, when the women, subhanAllah, when they used to come and pray in the masjid, right? Mm-hmm. See, the thing is, a lot of um, a lot of people, from my understanding, is that a lot of people think that when they hear, for example, that there was um, certain gatherings in which there were men and women, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, at the time of the Sahaba, you have to remember that there is there were ayat, the the ayat of hijab that came down later. You, mm-hmm. you know, so. There were a lot of things that had taken place that were before the ayat of hijab had been revealed. You yeah. know what I mean? And even then, even after the ayat of hijab were revealed, the men would always be in the front, uh, in the in the saf, and they would always listen to whatever the speaker, and the women would be in the back. And it, the Prophet sallam, he would wait for the men. Uh, he would he would ask the men to wait uh, for the women to leave. And then the men would get up and leave. It's not like one entrance where men and women all mixed together, coming in and out of the same place, and they can easily see one another. It was the men in the front and the women in the back, and then the women would leave first. So there's no chance for the men to be looking at the women, you know. So subhanAllah, it was it was yeah. there was a sense of haya and modesty even with the men and ladies together. It wasn't free. Even in like a place like the masjid, you know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. So yeah and that um that also reminds me of uh the fact that you know sometimes when we're in for example the the mataf for doing tawaf so of course now you know uh, post corona times it's very different uh alhamdulillah it's a lot more easier to actually you know go with the commandment of uh you know hijab and modesty and that as you're doing the tawaf but before that it was before this whole covid situation it was very very difficult you know there was a lot of pushing and shoving and especially i don't know why but women have some women have this concept of you know i must kiss the black stone you know remember that if you're going to kiss the black stone right and you are pushing and shoving in all these men and you know just generally the act of pushing and shoving itself is just um you know not it's causing harm to another believer in islam is just no no but then on top of it these people are men and everything you know what i mean so many women they want to touch the multism for example the place between the door of the kaaba and the the black stone and they don't realize that you know that you're going there for what for what's your purpose for example if you go to the multism it's a place where your du'as are accepted right but isn't isn't you saying that oh allah i'm not going to go there because it's 
defeating the purpose of this hijab and this thing that I'm submitting to you for. So therefore, I'm asking you for X, Y, and Z, please grant me this. You know what I mean? Allah is not going to, you know, say that, oh, because you never reached the multism, so you're not gonna, your du'as are not gonna be accepted. Do you know what I mean? It's just this, this ignorance when it comes to these type of matters. And it really makes me sad to see that I've seen so many sisters, you know, they'll be they'll be pushing and shoving to go and kiss the stone and then literally on their way back or on their way there, their whole khimar and everything has come off. Like yeah. literally you can see their hair, their skin and everything. And I just feel like you've defeated that purpose. Do not exactly. allow the shaitan to, you know, deceive you into this. Exactly. And so many can't come back. Like when I was there once, like ladies would be coming back crying and say I got bit I got punched I got slapped you know oh, so, so who who told you to get into that crowd you know so that's so true you should you know yeah. be careful of your own honor I don't know. yeah and uh, another thing comes to mind actually is that on the topic of struggles and that so for example on social media when I see mm-hmm. that you know all these women and they um wearing the so-called hijab be it like a head covering only and like you know clothes or be it you know they're wearing the niqab or they're wearing um an abaya and stuff or even sometimes a jilbab and and then you know when they're posting all these pictures posing and all that I just I mean everyone has their own opinions but this is just my thoughts on this is that like why are you why would you want to pose like what's your intention if your intention is to for example guide others to modesty, then take a step back and think, am I guiding them to the complete correct modesty? It all comes to our intentions and the purpose of the niqab. Is it just to, you know, is it a piece of cloth that we're fashioning with and we're styling with, or is it something that we're wearing for a certain uh, purpose, you know? So we just have to remind ourselves that. Exactly. And uh, yeah, any final thoughts on a message maybe you could give to sisters who are, you know, thinking about covering or they are covering, but they're struggling and they're thinking of taking off what any any message that you want to give to them? Someone who wants to start, I'd say, you know, just do your research and read books like uh, our sister was saying about the Sahabiyat, the female companions of the Prophet, his wives. Uh, his daughter Fatma radiallahu anha, Aisha radiallahu anha, his wife, and you know, just uh, learn about the actual purpose and the actual reason behind covering, and you know, um, the sweetness that one gets, and listen to the the stories of the converts of our time, and see how they feel after putting this hijab on and after covering themselves, and subhanAllah, just take the step, you know, don't be scared of what the society will say, don't make Allah angry for. Uh, pleasing people you know, it's, it's okay to make people angry for pleasing Allah but don't make Allah angry for trying to go with the norms of the society uh, trying to do like we were talking about modest fashion and modest styling you know just go inshallah take this step and the first step and Allah will make um, all the steps after that easy and the whole process will you know it will go with the flow and Allah will make it he will his help will always be with with you guys inshallah with us so definitely, any last definitely. Words? So, yeah. Yeah. So 
um, like like you said very um, very aptly is that you know when we when we fix our affairs with Allah, Allah fix our affairs with the people. So if we're worried about people, you know, um, abusing us when we have this on or people not being understanding, you know, correct your intentions. Um, and yeah, inshallah, always make dua. Remember every, every step, like how you said, when you're traveling and stuff, any, any difficulty that you're um, facing, you know, turn to Allah and he will make the way, he will make it easy for you. And for those sisters who are struggling, um, I would say, you know, subhanAllah, this life is really very temporary and the tests, we will be tested, no doubt. And this is a test, you know, if you're struggling with it, it's the test. And um, for every time you put it on, you're rewarded. You know, it's, it's an ibadah because ibadah is basically anything done for the sake of Allah. So, uh, you're, the fact that you're putting this on out of obedience to Allah, it's an ibadah. So every time you step out of your house, you know, imagine the mountains of rewards. And then whenever you're facing difficulty, think of how, you know, difficulty is comes with the, t- the test, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, the reward is greater for those who have, um, who experience more difficulty and yeah, um, that's all I have to say. And inshallah, until next time, uh, see you and take care. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. If you enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to head over to our Instagram page at Real Muslima Talk and join the conversation.